Okay, well, thank you so much for uh, once again uh, just letting me uh, be a part of this. And um, this is kind of part two of what we talked about this morning. I'm calling it Bloodlust, the uh, Exposing the Luciferian Depopulation uh, Agenda. So I'm going to be really uh, exposing what a lot of people are calling a conspiracy theory. Uh, but remember, what they call a conspiracy theory uh, is what I call a spoiler alert. <laughs> um, and by the way, speaking of conspiracy theories, if we've learned anything from the last three years or so of in-your-face deception, the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth is about six to 12 months. But uh, I, uh, I want to start with a couple of quotes before we get into the essence of what we're going to be talking about here. Uh, a couple of Bonhoeffer quotes. Uh, he said, if I sit next to a madman as he drives a car into a group of innocent bystanders, I can't, as a Christian, simply wait for the catastrophe and then comfort the wounded and bury the dead. I must try to wrestle the steering wheel out of the hands of the driver. He goes on, silence in the face of evil is evil itself, one of his most famous quotes. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And so this afternoon, I'm going to be breaking the silence about a very important aspect of this Luciferian conspiracy that, that many people, and even many researchers, tend to ignore. And it's not so much that they just ignore it, uh, they're oblivious to it in some cases. And as another German who lived about 100 years before Bonhoeffer said, the man in the street, this is uh, von Goethe, the man in the street does not notice the devil even when the devil is holding him by the throat. So what we're going to be talking about this afternoon with regards to bloodlust, the Luciferian depopulation agenda, is all part of uh, a book series that I wrote on the spirit of the Antichrist that comes from a premise in 1 John. So 1 John 2.18, as I mentioned in my first session this morning, says it's the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist, capital A, is coming, even now many Antichrist, the little a, have come by which we know it's the last hour. That phrase, last hour, is often uh, referred to as the last days in Scripture. And as I mentioned, you know, we want to make sure we keep this in biblical perspective. If you look at a panoramic view of biblical history, human history, we do in fact find that the present age, the church age, is the last days. It's the final age before the kingdom age, before Christ comes back to make all things new and usher in the long-awaited kingdom of peace, righteousness, and judgment. So if you, if you look at 1 John 4, 3, that's really the premise for my book series, which is the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work in the world. So I call these books Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1 and Volume 2. And today, I'm going to basically be focusing on the material from Chapter 13 in Volume 2, although I address a lot of this stuff in various places throughout both books. But Chapter 13 in Volume 2 was really the hardest chapter of both books uh, to write. It was heavy. And I had to actually stop a few times and just take a break for a week or two and just come back to it. Because it is, when you really begin to look the devil in the eyes, you begin to really recognize that this is, after all, a spiritual battle. It's a cosmic struggle between the forces of good and the forces of evil, between Almighty God, our Creator, and Satan himself. So I'll start with kind of the premise of this chapter, and that is Proverbs 8.36, where we read that all those who hate me love death. So those who hate God love death, and that not, not only does that mean that they're actually 
signing their own death warrant, but it means they, they literally love death. And so I want to talk about Satan's obsession with death this afternoon. Jesus told us that he is, uh, speaking here to the Pharisees, the unbelieving Jewish leaders, he says, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Notice he was a murderer from the beginning. He was a murderer from the beginning. If you go to, back to the creation account and uh, God told Adam and Eve, uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Why? For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That was a warning out of love. God had created mankind in his own image, the highest pinnacle of creation. Only to mankind did he say we have the imago Dei, as theologians call it, the image of God in man. Uh, only mankind has the spirit of God, the, 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 the light, eternal soul. And uh, he loved us. He created us for fellowship. But, of course, he created us with free will. He didn't create us as a bunch of automatons or robots that had no choice in the matter. But he wanted us to serve him and love him, so he gave us free will. And as a warning, he said, don't eat from that one tree, because when you do, you're going to die, and I don't want you to die. Of course, we marched right over and took a great big bite, and uh, that separated mankind from God, our eternal creator, and it also brought death and, you know, into the world, both spiritual death, separation from God, as well as physical death. Now, Satan comes along, and he directly contradicts God. He tells him, tells him you will not surely die, a blatant lie. What was he doing? Well, he was, he was trying to accomplish, like the Luciferians always do, exactly the opposite of what he said. So he was claiming to be doing things for Adam and Eve's good, giving them an inside scoop, when in reality he wanted them to die because he loves death, as I'm going to make abundantly clear throughout uh, this message uh, this afternoon. So Jesus said that the thief, Satan here, uh, as a metonym, the metonym thief refers to Satan, does not come except to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that they may have life. In Satan is death, in Christ is life. And we see this uh, theme of death, and ever since, you know, for 6,000 years, since he got booted out of heaven after a failed coup attempt, Satan's been trying to take over the world, and he's doing that through death. And he certainly has been trying to kill the Christ child and kill the messianic line. And so we see this at the birth of Christ when uh, Herod uh, sought to kill all the young children under two years old. We see this in the epistles as the church age uh, begins and then begins to grow and spread westward. As Peter said that he is, the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. In Revelation, he's referred to as Abaddon, meaning destruction or Apollyon, destroyer. And from that first encounter with Adam and Eve, where Satan flouted death in a surreptitious effort to glorify death, he and his earthly accomplices in the Luciferian conspiracy have been obsessed with death. A survey of human history shows that child and human sacrifice is ubiquitous in every age and every region of the world from the ancient Near East on. Uh, as distasteful as this is to think about, it really shouldn't surprise us. It is well attested both within and without Scripture. We can go to the Old Testament law where Deuteronomy 12, 13 says, You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, for every abomination to the Lord which he hates they have done to their gods, for they burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Leviticus, do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech, for you must not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Second Chronicles 28, here in the context of Ahaz, the king of Judah, who was offering child sacrifices. 
Earlier in this chapter, verse 1 of chapter 28 of 2 Chronicles, we read Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. Well, what did he do? Well, he burned his children in the fire, like all Satanists do. In 2 Kings, we see another example of ancient Near Eastern sacrifice. Here, the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, so he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to the king of Eden, but they, did, they could not. So then... He took his eldest son, who would have reigned in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. There is a bloodlust among the Luciferian accomplices of Satan. So we could spend quite a bit of time, and I go into this in more detail in the books, but there is all kinds of archaeological evidence of human sacrifice from just about every region of the world. This love of death is... This bloodlust is part of an overall spirit of perversion that I talk about in chapter 13 of volume 2. So let's talk about the spirit of perversion. You don't have to look very hard to see that the spirit of perversion is at an all-time high. The Antichrist himself will be uh, perverted. He'll be involved in all sorts of wickedness and debauchery. Uh, I believe, based on uh, the passage in Daniel 11, that he's going to be a homosexual. I know there's different views on that, but... Uh, that's, that's my best understanding of the Hebrew grammar there. Uh, I, I think they're trying to do everything they can to twist and turn what God meant for good and what is part and parcel to the image of God and man into a distorted perversion. And that's what they're doing with the gender surrender movement. You know, uh, artificial intelligence has no gender. And so if they can, you know, if they're going to accomplish their goal of artificial intelligence, which is what the Antichrist is going to need to control the world, I talked about that in the first session, then... They've got to marginalize this notion of gender. They've got to get us beginning to think that gender is, is nothing. It's not something you're born with. You choose it. You can flip-flop and change back and forth. You can you know, do whatever you want. You know, have a surgery, we'll have another surgery. You know, fix it again. Right? Gender is irrelevant. And that's why they're really pouring it on thick with you know, dozens upon dozens of so-called gender identities. Right? It's the spirit of perversion. You don't have to look very hard to see it. Of course, everybody remembers the whole uh, Epstein Island and that was more than just a passing news cycle. This is deep-seated, deep-rooted, as we're about to see, in, uh, in perversion among the satanic Luciferian elite, Satan's accomplices. Now, I talked in the first session about the Luciferian conspiracy and how it consists of Satan, demons, and human agents, human accomplices that are working together to take over uh, the world. I'm not going to take the time to repeat that whole premise from Scripture, Psalm 2, for example. But we're focusing in this session on really that third component of the conspiracy, the human element, the, the human accomplices. And the list of politicians and businessmen who have frequented Epstein Island is shocking. And it's a subject, and by the way, evangelical leaders too. And I won't mention any names because I really want you to hear what I have to say. And inevitably when I mention a name or two, there's going to be a few people that just get mad and tune me out rather than check it out for yourself. And by the way, don't believe everything I'm saying. Just check it out. Validate it. I'm not asking you to just take my word for stuff. Validate it. I have 66 pages of bibliographic citations in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2. But this is a subject that's completely ignored by the mainstream media and, in fact, most Christians. And by the way, speaking of Epstein, if you were surprised that Jeffrey Epstein killed himself, just imagine how surprised he was. Um, <laughs> but uh, then, we, then we've got... Uh, uh, then we've got uh, Pizzagate with uh, John Podesta and all of that. Uh, 
you know, the, the media brushed this aside like it was the stuff of tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists. Remember, conspiracy theory was a term created by the CIA in an effort to discredit truth seekers and advance their agenda of, of lies, and I have the whole story of that and documents, uh, the CIA documents that were released to prove it back in the 60s when they were trying to uh, shut down the people that recognized the Warren Commission was full of holes and the official J JFK assassination story was bunk. Uh, but uh, if you've not watched Out of Shadows, I highly recommend it. It's pretty, you know, it takes a strong stomach, but it documents quite well that the, the WikiLeaks uh, uh, emails that were poured out clearly show there was a sick, perverted, satanic ritual abuse movement going on, and it did involve uh, that uh, pizza place. Of course, Hollywood is ground zero for the Luciferians when it comes to a satanic ritual abuse, human trafficking, blood sacrifices. Uh, Hollywood has long been the seat of Luciferianism. Uh, in fact, uh, the name Hollywood, going back to the mid-19th century when it was founded, comes from the holly tree, which was a tree that witches used branches from to cast spells. That's where it gets its name. So Hollywood is right at the thick of this uh, Luciferian conspiracy. Uh, they use it in a variety of ways to advance their agenda, to create the narratives, and to program people. That's why they call television programming. Um, but a few notable examples from Hollywood and the entertainment industry will, will make this point. Many of these you may be familiar with, some of them uh, you won't. But of course, let's start with Lady Gaga, who has admitted that Satan speaks to her through her dreams and that she uses her evil spirit guide to create her songs. She uses satanic imagery throughout her videos and live shows. And she also admits that she can't sleep alone while on tour because of the demonic dreams that she has throughout the night that freak her out. She's been known to bathe in blood as part of her bloody satanic rituals. One noteworthy example was, which was well attested, by the way, at the Intercontinental Hotel in London, where one of the hotel maids said, quote, Lady Gaga left large amounts of blood in the suite and in the bathtub. The incident was reported to the concierge, but the maid was told to put it out of her mind. Then there's Rihanna, who just performed at the Super Bowl. Uh, here she's dressed in red. She falls from the sky, surrounded by people dressed in white, like, I don't know, angels. Sounds a lot like the fall of Lucifer when he took one-third of the angels with him. And by the way, you cannot overestimate the power, the satanic power, of these performances. Rihanna is the number one most streamed artist globally. In fact, she has 118.7 million viewers, which is five more than the Super Bowl at large. <laughs> 118 million. 17 of her songs are in the top 40 on Spotify. Why do you think they pick her to do the halftime show? They do that every year. Uh, Rihanna. Now, Rihanna's interesting. She now has a street named after her in her hometown of, in her home uh, island of Barbados. And uh, in 2017, the, this street was dedicated, and she was honored by the Barbados government who renamed that street, the street that she grew up on as a child. And speaking at the official ceremony to unveil the newly named Rihanna Drive in uh, Bridgetown, uh, she took the opportunity to hand out advice to young Bahan children. She said, quote, how many of y'all have prayed to Jesus for years, prayed with all your hearts and got nothing from him? She asked the audience, again, comprised mostly of children and early teens, hands up now, be honest, okay, how many of you have prayed to Jesus and gotten nothing? Well, let me tell you, she said, quote, Jesus doesn't care about you. Do you really think he's even listening? I got a hot tip for y'all because y'all are my people. Be efficient. Go to Satan. She said. In fact, uh, 
Prime Minister Freundel Stewart, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right, when she said that hastily changed the topic as shocked parents were intervening and starting to pick up their children and move them away, move them away from the ceremony. So there's that quote. When you don't get what you want from Jesus, pray to Satan. He'll answer your prayers. That's essentially what she was saying. So uh, Lady Gaga's 2017 Super Bowl performance was a transparent satanic ritual. Uh, as she entered the Staples Center in Los Angeles with a man dressed as a bishop on her arm, Nicki Minaj, in the 2012 Grammy Awards, did a performance of Roman Holiday. This was the 54th Grammy Awards, and the main performance She's found chained to a wooden board as hooded priests pranced around her, smoke billows, fires burn, and eventually she begins levitating over the stage without breaking her flow. Nicki Minaj is among the many mega pop stars in the music industry today who promote the idea of having alter egos. I don't think they're just promoting the idea, I think they do. Second personalities and losing control of themselves when this altar takes over. Now this next one's probably going to not win me friends with some of you, but uh, here's Adele's 2011 music video for Rolling in the Deep, which stars a demonic entity. What about Adam Levine? Now Adam, oh, he's so nice, such a great guy. Look at that smile, man. He's so sweet. I love him on The Voice. But wait, have you seen Adam, and Le Adam Levine bathing in animal blood for his music video, Animals? And then there's uh, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, starring Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, which is an in-plain-sight tale of Hollywood satanic ritual abuse. The film's production, by the way, took 400 days, which is still a record in Hollywood for the longest continuous film shoot to this day. Hollywood is, by the way, uh, Nicole Kidman, I saw her on an interview once uh, after this movie came out, talking about how she, it was so easy for her to play this role. And by the way, don't see it. If you haven't seen it, don't see it. Just look it up on Wikipedia or something, get the sense of it. But it's a, it, it, it'll chill you to the bones what, what, what's going on in this movie. But she said that she, she grew up, or at least in her younger days as an actress, she was, a, she was privy to this. She was a part of it. In other words, it was easy for her to take on this role of these satanic ritual abuse parties and orgies that were held you know, underground in Hollywood because you know, she lived it. Right? Now, Hollywood is so steeped in satanic ritual abuse and blood sacrifices that they may as well give Satan his own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. There's no shortage of verifiable evidence of the Luciferian bloodlust for those who have the time and the stomach to research it. For example, I talk extensively about uh, the Franklin cover-up John DeCamp was at the center of that and exposing it. He was a co uh, congressman in Nebraska, uh, st state congressman. Nick Bryant's also done some stellar work uh, exposing uh, this. Uh, both books recount the horrifying tale of a child sex abuse ring involving a number of prominent politicians and businessmen emanating from Lincoln, Nebraska and reaching to the highest levels of the federal government. On the back of the Franklin scandal, it says this, uh, are politicians, businessmen, and media personalities being compromised? Is there a covert check and balance system affecting our body politic? How and why does a nationwide child abuse network stay hidden? Well documented, well, you know, affidavits, uh, people giving depositions, court hearings, people dying along the way just before they were supposed to testify. There was actually a documentary, a television documentary by, put out by the Discovery Channel that was scheduled to air Tuesday, May 3rd, 1994. 
It was even listed in the nationwide issue of uh, the April 30th to May 6th edition of TV Guide Magazine. Anybody remember TV Guide Magazine? I do. I, I can even remember when it used to say BW for black and white. And uh, when, as a young kid, I used to always look for the shows that were you know, labeled thriller because I liked scary shows, you know. But anyway, uh, it was in the TV Guide. But influential members of Congress applied pressure and kept it from airing. And Dis Disney Channel, I mean, I said Disney's Channel, I meant Discovery Channel. I don't know what I said, but it's Discovery Channel. Uh, Discovery Channel was reimbursed roughly half a million dollars for production cost. And the subject, of course, is this alleged child sexual abuse ring involving a number of prominent politicians. At the same time the Franklin scandal was breaking around uh, this uh, in the world, there was news of another scandalous uh, perversion. Washington Times uh, covered it. Uh, and this is homosexual prostitution inquiry and snares, VIPs, Reagan and Bush. See, you know, even though they've had Operation Mockingbird since the 50s and it's still going strong, I have a whole chapter on that in the book, they weren't able to, it wasn't monolithic, they weren't able to perfectly control every outlet. And so the Washington Times kind of went rogue, covered the story, it was immediately eliminated the next day, but you can still find the microfish examples of it. But this was... Uh, uh, where uh, this uh, lobbyist, um, uh, you know, Craig Spence admits under oath to kind of leading uh, these late night tours coming through the back door of the White House for key elites to do what they want. We'll just leave it uh, at, at that. Franklin scandal is by no means the only satanic ritual abuse scandal to rock Washington, D.C. Here's a 2020 documentary uh, by Josh Peck, Silent Cry, The Darker Side of Trafficking, and it exposes the organized satanic effort to use children in demonic rituals, including child sacrifice. If you don't think it's happening today, you're living in non-reality. We could also think of, in terms of bloodlust and the Luciferian uh, death cult of the Bohemian Grove. Uh, we've actually been out there. We've been to almost all these places, researched them, taken pictures, asked questions. Uh, the Grove is particularly famous for the Manhattan Project planning that took place there. But basically, it's a yearly summer gathering over two weeks when world elites, business leaders, politicians, parliament members, uh, kings, presidents, chancellors, you name it, come in and they gather together in uh, small groups and they plot and plan and strategize for the world. It's where kings are made. Carter and Clinton were both tapped for presidency here. Remember, we don't have elections, we have selections. Um, but, uh, you know, it originally started in Muir Woods in San Francisco, but eventually moved to a private uh, place in the northern, north of San Francisco in the Redwoods. Uh, very heavily guarded, all kinds of security cameras, armed guards with AR-15s. There's an uh, inset symbol uh, on the entrance to the Bohemian Grove that says their motto, uh, Weaving Spiders Come Not Here. Uh, and that's taken from a play by Shakespeare, but it, it basically was meant as an admonition against for, for all these key leaders that are coming there, men only, it's a male-only club, um, to not discuss business at the club. But of course, as with everything with the Luciferians, who are simply following in the footsteps of their father Satan, who was a liar from the beginning, as Jesus said, and cannot speak the truth, that's a complete lie. The whole purpose of their gathering was to conduct business and make kings. The climax, uh, or not really the climax, but the high point of the uh, two weeks there is the opening ceremony called the Cremation of Care, in which they go through mock druid satanic rituals, including the sacrifice of a child. Now, it's allegedly an effigy, uh, 
but you know, no one's really ever gotten close enough to see it. One reporter snuck in uh, at great risk, posing as a male prostitute, and was bussed in with the other male prostitutes, and he was able to take some really grainy footage back in the day before cell phones and cameras were more uh, were, were better. Uh, but you still can't see even from the footage whether it's a real uh, child or not. Let's hope it's not. But from my research, I'm sad to say it wouldn't be surprising because they are sacrificing children in various corners uh, of the world. So then they go back to their respective places after this ceremony. And the idea is when you leave, you know, the cremation of care, that is the, the cremation of your conscience, you've got to be able to set aside, cast aside your moral values, and you're committing to do that through this satanic ritual. And then they go home and they do whatever they you know, were told to do, whatever they were instructed to do by the power elites, regardless of any moral in inhibitions they might have or conflicting conscience. Uh, lots of documentation of this, a lot of books and uh, you know, reports have been written about it, but just about every major who's who, here's one showing Reagan and Nixon at the Bohemian Grove, uh, has been there. The popular Netflix show starring Kevin Spacey, speaking of satanic ritual abuse, and Robin White, uh, House of Cards, actually featured a mock Bohemian Grove, uh, you know, the equivalent of Bohemian Grove. They didn't use that name, but it's on the episode, they actually showed a mock human sacrifice at this Bohemian Grove-like retreat attended by President Frank Underwood, the president on the show House of Cards. We also see the bloodlust represented through the long-standing eugenics program of the Luciferian elites. This goes back uh, to Darwin, of course, uh, but uh, in, the, in our country, the turn of the 20th century, just about every major town of any size across the country had a eugenics office. Uh, you can still see to this day historical markers of, such as this one, uh, marking the place where they had these eugenics uh, offices. What is eugenics? Well, here's a pamphlet uh, that says eugenics is the self-direction of human evolution. Notice self-direction. Eugenics is essentially social uh, Darwinism. Why do you think the Rockefeller Foundation and Carnegie Foundation and others demanded that evolution be taught to every child in America when they launched compulsory government schooling in 1918? They wanted to tear down the notion that, man, that life has value and that mankind is valuable before the Creator and that we are made in the image of God. They wanted us to think we're nothing but useless breeders who get in the way and can be exterminated if needed. And the whole eugenics movement sought to get rid of the feeble-minded is what they called them. Well, who were the feeble-minded? Oh, I don't know, people that were born with a deformed leg or a deformed arm or different color skin. That's the feeble-minded. And, of course, Darwin was just limit. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, Darwin, uh, in his famous book, Origin of the Species, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, you probably do. This is a pretty smart studied crowd, uh, but your average person doesn't. They, they think that, that the, you know, the origin of the species, which they were introduced to in seventh grade biology, is just called origin of the species. But no, you can look right there on the cover. It's called the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. Darwin was not a scientist. He was a eugenicist who, at the behest of Satan and the other Luciferian accomplices, was trying to destroy life and kill people. In his, you know, The Origin of the Species, of course, was written in 1859, but in his companion work, The Descent of Man, published in 1871, Darwin says things like, most people are evolutionary dead ends. Only a small elite is actually evolving, and everyone else just gets in the way. And today, as you're going to see in a moment, you all know Harari is simply channeling you know, Darwin. Same thing. Saying the same things. They haven't changed. Uh, uh, Billy Crone talked a lot about... Uh, the Nazis, uh, 
Well, when all of those Nazi eugenicists came over to the U.S. in Operation Paperclip, more than 1,600 of them, by the way, do you think they changed their worldview? Do you think when they landed on the shores of America, they became God-fearing, Bible-believing Christians or something? No, of course not. Why do you think we brought them over to begin with? So here's, uh, for example, Nazi Major General Walter Dornberger, who was taken captive in April of 1945, a war criminal. He oversaw the creation and manufacturing of the V-2 guided missile, which killed over 5,000 British civilians during World War II. Well, he came, became CEO of Bell Laboratories. What do you do with war criminals that commit genocide? Well, you give them a posh apartment in Birmingham and put them in charge of a major corporation. By the way, uh, Hitler, uh, Hitler said this uh, about Dornberger on July 8, 1944. This is Hitler, quote, I have had to apologize only to two men in my whole life. The first was Field Marshal von Brauschwitz. I did not listen to him when he told me again and again how important your research was, Dornberger. The second man is yourself, because I never believed that the work you did would be successful. So what do you do with a guy whom Hitler compliments? You put him in, bring him over in America and put him in charge of a major corporation. Here's Warner von Braun, who's been turned into a complete hero, had a complete makeover. Um, and uh, you know, what do you do with Nazi war criminals? Well, you, you put them on the cover of Time magazine, of course, and make them into heroes. The Nazis didn't lose the war, they just moved to America. Another aspect of this bloodlust is that people are the problem. You see, to the Luciferians, people are the problem. Every time Satan looks at a human being, he sees the image of God in man. However corrupted it may be after 6,000 years of depravity, he wants to murder humans and recreate life in his satanic image. That's what transhumanism is all about. So we saw a glimpse of this at the Georgia Guidestones, which we had the chance to visit before they were destroyed. This is a monument erected in Elbert County, Georgia in 1980. A lot of mystery surrounding it. It quite possibly was put up or funded by people like Ted Turner, possibly the Rosicrucians, uh, uh, who knows. But the point is, it's got you know, eight uh, different uh, monoliths here, or if you count the different sides, and eight different replications of the Ten Commandments of the Luciferians. And the number one on there in eight different languages is maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. This is what they've been trying to do all along. By the way, they were just demolished after that someone vandalized them uh, just last year, actually it was. But people are the problem. That's why the UN and the World Economic Forum are working hand in puppet uh, to convince people that the earth is sick. It's got a problem. And so they've launched this campaign with children where you've got this you know, God of the universe there in orange, a, a doctor diagnosing the earth's problem. Oh, your problem is you've got humans. That's too, you've got too many humans. Here's another example. You have humans. You're, you're going to have to take a daily capsule of tsunami and two tablets of eight degrees earthquake and be under a strict regimen of doubt. See? We're being punished, they claim, by this, you know, climate, alleged climate change because of uh, humans. Here's another one that a child drew. Uh, having been propagandized, well, I'm sure you have humans. That's your problem, right? Uh, you, you all know Harari would certainly agree. Uh, he says, the future is about developing more and more sophisticated technology like AI and bioengineering. Most people don't contribute anything to that, he says. Well, except, of course, for their data. In other words, you and I have value as lab rats that they can study and extract DNA from and you know do experiments on. But other than that, 
Most people contribute nothing. And whatever people are still doing, which is useful, these technologies, AI and you know, other sophisticated technologies, will, will increasingly make redundant and make it possible to replace the people. You know, like we're some type of, you know, old archaic tool in the, in the garage. You're not going to need that washboard anymore because you just got a GE electric washing machine. You know, that's the way he describes it. In another context, he says, quote, 99% of human qualities and abilities are simply redundant for the performance of most modern jobs. This was from an article in 2017 called The Rise of the Useless Class, written by Harari. The Rise of the Useless Class. He explains, just as mass industrialization created the working class, AI and the AI revolution will create a new unworking class. And that's why they're trying to get rid of people. They don't need us. We just get in the way. In 2009, a secret meeting of billionaires was held in New York City. Uh, it included Bill Gates, Ted Turner, George Soros, David Rockefeller, Michael Bloomberg, Oprah Winfrey, and Warren Buffett. Uh, it was uh, secret until it was leaked out. Tough these days uh, to, to keep these things a secret. And Good Morning America actually, as well as Forbes magazine, actually did a report on it. The Wall Street Journal covered it after the fact. What was the purpose of this meeting? To try to shrink the world's population and dis discuss how they could use their massive personal wealth to advance the cause of depopulationism. The, mo the meeting was held at the personal residence of Sir Paul Nurse, who was then the president of Rockefeller University. The invitation that went out to the elites was personally signed by Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and David Rockefeller. And what was the purpose of it? To consider how their wealth could be used to slow the growth of the world's population. Now, I'm going to talk more about vaccines in a moment, but I find it really stunning that at a TED Talk, uh, Bill Gates said this, if we do a really good job with vaccines, we could lower the population growth by as much as 10 to 15%. What? Lower? I thought vaccines helped keep children alive. No, no. No, no, that's not the purpose. It's sterilization. Just ask the, the, the young girls over in India and places like that. But we see repeated references to this notion of a love of death, this bloodlust. Uh, Bill Maher, you know, it, it saddens me how easily manipulated most conservatives are, even a lot of Christian conservatives. He's now become the darling of Fox News and so forth. That man worships Satan. You need to understand that. And here's a Bill Maher quote that ought to chill you to the bone. I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-assisted suicide. I'm for regular suicide. I'm for whatever gets the freeway moving. That's what I'm for. It's too crowded. The planet is too crowded, and we need to promote death. And by the way, that's exactly what our neighbors to the north are doing with the MAID program, Medical Assistance in Dying, M-A-I-D, which has been available in Canada since 2016. But this month, March of 2023, new laws have been passed extending eligibility for the MAID program to those who simply have a mental illness. It will allow individuals seeking MAID, again, that's medical assistance in dying, seeking help in killing themselves, assisted suicide, to do so based on the fact of they're not feeling well mentally. So 
So here's a New York Post article, Canada Expanding the Assisted Suicide Law to the Mentally Ill. And I did find that video clip that I told my guys uh, that are helping me here. I forgot that I had it, but if we could turn up the volume. Uh, I want to show you this commercial that's in Canada right now promoting suicide. It's sickening. They're encouraging young people who are depressed and discouraged to end it all. Watch this uh, commercial. It's about 30 seconds. Last breaths are sacred. When I imagine my final days, I see bubbles. I see the ocean. I see music. Even now, as I seek help to end my life, there is still so much beauty. You just have to be brave enough to see it. Even now, as I seek to help end my life, there is still so much beauty. You just have to be brave enough to see it. Listen, suicide is anything but brave. It's the exact opposite of brave. It's cowardly. God loves life. He values life. And we don't have the right to take life. John P. Holdren was Obama's primary science advisor. He said a program of sterilizing women after their second or third child, despite the relatively greater difficulty of the operation than a vasectomy, might be easier to implement than trying to sterilize men. He said the development of, long of a long-term sterilizing capsule that could be implanted under the skin and removed when pregnancy is desired opens additional possibilities for coercive fertility control. The capsule could be implanted at puberty and might be removable with official permission, of course, for a limited number of births. Margaret Sanger, everybody knows about her history, she said all of our problems are the result of overbreeding among the working class. The most merciful thing that a large family does to one of its infant members is to kill it. Paul Ehrlich uh, said nobody, in my view, has the right to have 12 children or even three unless the second pregnancy is twins. Former science advisor to George W. Bush Ted Turner, a uh, famous uh, eugenicist and a member of the Luciferian elite, said a total world population of 250 to 300 million people, a 95% decline from present levels, would be ideal. See, they want this world for themselves, you know. Uh, here we are in Orlando. Um, I'm sure most of you have been to uh, Disney or Universal or SeaWorld or any major theme park. Let me ask you, is that a more enjoyable experience when you go, if you had the entire park to yourself. You didn't have to wait in lines, you didn't need a fast pass, you just ride that roller coaster as many times as you want. Or do you enjoy it more when you show up, for example, on President's Day with 10 million of your closest friends? <laughs> and by mid-afternoon, you're exhausted, sweaty, tired, all you want to do is sit down and eat a $37 slice of pizza and rest. <laughs> of course you're going to enjoy it more when you've got the whole place to yourselves. And that's the this is the devil's playground. They want just enough people, like we saw with the Georgia Guidestones, 500 million, just enough people, besides the elite, the upper echelons, to cook their food, sweep their floors, and climb atop the altars to make the sacrifices. That's what they want. 
Here's Detroit News uh, columnist Nolan Finley. He says, since the national attention is on birth control, here's my idea. If we want to fight poverty, reduce violent crime, and bring down our embarrassing dropout rate, we should swap contraceptives for fluoride in Michigan's drinking water. I got a lot more quotes, but for the sake of time, I'm going to skip ahead. Um, uh, by the way, this is from a recent meeting at the World Economic Forum. Uh, Al Gore touted a contraceptive pill as the key tool in the battle against climate change. <laughs> You know, climate change covers a multitude of problems. <laughs> uh, a contraceptive pill is the key tool. He says, making fertility management ubiquitously available is crucial to the future shape of human civilization. How many of you knew that the United States, under the HHS, Health and Human Services Department, has an Office of Population Affairs? Look it up. Thomas Ferguson, a formal official in the uh, Office of Population Affairs said this, there is a single theme behind all of our work. We must reduce population levels. Once population is out of control, it requires authoritarian government, even fascism, to reduce it. You go to their website at hhs.gov. That's a little uh, small. Let me zoom in for you. It says, the OPA advises the Secretary and the Assistant Secretary for Health on a wide range of reproductive and adolescent health topics, including teen pregnancy prevention, family planning, and sterilization as well as other popular issues. Sterilization. That's what your tax dollars are, are going for. So there is a clear uh, intentional plan for population reduction. And after the rapture, I got to thinking, I was talking about this with someone at lunch, you know, I got to thinking what life on earth is going to be like moments before the rapture, as bad as it is now, to at the end of the tribulation when Christ comes back. And so I did a, a little calculating, and I'm going to make some assumptions here. I don't know any way to validate these, but let's just, we have to start somewhere, so let's pick some numbers. So let's assume there's 8 billion people on the earth, and let's assume 2 billion are raptured. Now I know some people might say, there's no way 25% of people on earth are Christians. You're probably right, I don't know, but you know, it, it's easier to do the math. So I just picked a quarter, right? But let's just say for the sake of argument, two billion Christians are raptured. And then let's assume that another two billion of those left behind die from the immediate aftermath that ensues after the rapture. I mean, you have to understand, if two billion or even one billion Christians disappear from the earth, that's going to create instant devastation. If it's a pilot flying a jumbo jet or, you know, traffic all, all over the world as drivers crash and, and people die, people at the controls of nuclear plants and things like that, there's going to be untold devastation. So let's assume another 2 billion die after that. That leaves 4 billion people at the start of the tribulation. Now we know from the seal, trumpet, and bowl judgments that one quarter of the people die with the fourth seal. That leaves 3 billion. A third more die after the sixth trumpet. That leaves 2 billion. And we don't have any idea, but let's assume another billion die from collateral damage from the devastation related to all the judgments and all hell that's breaking loose on earth. The bottom line is, by the time you go from the rapture to more than seven years later, you've seen a reduction from eight billion to one billion people. Now, I understand a lot of that is just biblical prophecy and a lot of that's the judgments of God, but this is where we're headed and this is what the Luciferians explicitly want. So would the U.S. government ever harm its own citizens? Well, uh, well, I'm glad to hear you. <laughs> you know, that response actually encourages me because I've been teaching this for 15 years, and I've actually been booed at places when I talk about this. 
Uh, and it's amazing how much has changed, uh, which is another sign of the times, just in the last three years. But just I deal with all of these in more detail in the book, but just look up the Tuskegee syphilis study, or the state penitentiary malaria study in Illinois, or the Navy-sponsored beef blood transfusions, or the plutonium testing, or the World War II mustard gas experiments. You can actually watch a video on YouTube where these poor souls were out there, you know, at the behest of their commanding officers, standing right under a, uh, you know, bomb that was exploded when two F-89 jets come and shoot off this nuclear, nuclear missile. Just look up Operation Sea Spray or Big Buzz or the measles vaccination experiment or one of the most heart-wrenching ones is just read about the Willowbrook experiments. Or I have a whole chapter on MK Ultra in chapter one uh, where we were performing these types of uh, things. And then of course, as Billy Crone talked about, there's the experimental gene-altering bioinjections. Uh, he mentioned VAERS. Uh, VAERS, of course, uh, is said to be safe and effective. If, I mean, uh, the vaccines are said to be safe and effective. If that's the case, it begs the question, why do we need the VAERS system that was launched in 1990? To date, uh, this is the latest data that's available through the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, February 17th. We've seen 2.4 million adverse effects reported from all vaccines total, just since they started reporting them. But as alarming as that number is, it's not the scariest number. The scariest number is, is of those 2.4 million, 1.5 million are from the COVID-19 vaccine specifically. In other words, 63% of all adverse effects reported from vaccines in the history of errors have come in the last three years from the COVID vaccine explicitly. That includes 34,478 deaths through February. Now, of course, most of you are familiar with the Harvard study that uh, was conducted in 2011. Uh, commissioned by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services in which they found that only 1% of the actual adverse effects, adverse events are reported. So if that's the case, then that means that 34,000 turns into more than 3 million deaths. 3 million deaths. And not just deaths, but you've got you know, hospitalizations, you've got heart attacks, myocarditis, as we've talked about here at the conference, and many, many others. So, so much more that I could talk about. Uh, I encourage you to pick up uh, the books. We talk about poisoning the water. The one I was hoping to have uh, time for, but I just was too long-winded, is poisoning the atmosphere through uh, geoengineering. Um, this is a subject that most people have nothing, know nothing about. Uh, you know, everywhere you look, they're poisoning the air with heavy metals. Uh, Billy Crone talked about the huge elephant in the room that dies suddenly, but it's high time we also acknowledge the elephant in the sky and look up for once and, and look at the geoengineering. That is everywhere. These are all pictures that I've taken through the years in different places. Uh, showing this uh, geoengineering. By the way, this one here on the left, uh, I took uh, Wednesday. Where did I take it? Well, you can see from this second picture in the background, right here above the Florida uh, Hotel. And by the way, this is not what partly cloudy is supposed to look like. Um, and, and they're dangerous, you know. The, there's all kinds of diseases associated with nanoparticle uh, exposure, barium, strontium, and other heavy metals, uh, aluminum-coated fiberglass. I mean, you know, you just look it up. It's devastating. It is devastating. So uh, bloodlust, I want to close with the good news, and that is uh, even though the Luciferians are seeking desperately to kill people because Satan is a killer, he's a murderer from the beginning, as Jesus said, uh, uh, there is a significant key point that Scripture makes again and again all the way back to when God killed the animals to provide a covering for Adam and Eve. And that is, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So Jesus Christ willingly shed his blood, laid down his life, so that you and I's sin penalty could be paid for. And he offers freely to all the gift 
of eternal life. Uh, Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. That's the simplest statement of the gospel in 10 words or less. Jesus said, whoever believes in me has everlasting life. And I hope today, because I know we've got people from all walks of life, that if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ and him alone, that today in simple childlike faith, you'll trust the only one whose blood matters, and that's Jesus Christ who shed his blood for you. So we get into a lot more of this in the books. I hope you'll stop by and see uh, my family at the table and, uh, and pick up a copy of them if you feel so inclined. Thank you guys. God bless.